Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. All right. Um, Welcome, everyone, to the Healthy Relationships episode. Um, We have Josh here with us, an old friend, um, to talk about what healthy relationships can look like. And then later on, we'll have a conversation with Amy Collins about unhealthy relationships and um, interpersonal violence prevention. So we'll get started just kind of posing the general question, what does a healthy relationship look like? Yeah, well, I I think um, a healthy relationship is a really complex concept, but I feel like it really relies on some key principles such as like respect trust honesty um as well as like good communication um and a like very like equal um i don't know like organization of the relationship and power dynamics um as well as like i don't know um a a community of support you know like a um, culture of support yeah yeah i yeah i feel like um a healthy relationship can really like I don't know when you're in a healthy relationship you really take care of yourself um and you're as well as taking care of your partner or partners um it's I, you have to I, there's this famous saying by a very famous person I don't I don't know if you've heard it but you you can't love yourself if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else um and I think it's very possible to love someone without loving yourself, but it is so important to maintain a relationship um, with yourself while maintaining and growing a relationship with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's such an interesting uh, concept too, of like, you can't love someone else if you don't love yourself. And sometimes people who have trouble or are still on their journey of loving themselves get stuck in the mindset that they're not worthy of love or that they're not ready for love or don't deserve love. And that's absolutely not the case. I think even if you're still finding your love for yourself and that's a continuous journey, um, you can still be loved by others and you're still worthy of love. Um, But it's also about like prioritizing yourself sometimes and making sure that you're really cherishing yourself just as much as you're cherishing your partner. I totally agree. Yeah, and um, there's a really cool infographic the relationship spectrum which i will link in the description of this episode which kind of takes you um on a journey of what healthy relationships look like and then also kind of shows you when does that turn into unhealthy relationships and when can that turn into maybe abusive situations um so i'll make sure to link that and it's a really good um infographic to kind of see like what you know in general the key elements are of a healthy relationship so now i want to talk about love languages um which is kind of this this concept that we all give and receive love differently and what we what we see as love or feel as love um might look different than your partner or than someone else who's in a different type of relationship Um, But the five love languages are quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, gift giving and receiving, and acts of service. And I'll say, um, for me, love languages is absolutely so important for understanding, like, what I need from someone um, and understanding that what they need is gonna look different than what I need. So how can knowing and sharing your love languages improve your relationships? I feel like it's a really important part of like establishing intimacy with a partner or partners um, to 
be able to like talk about your love languages and have them really understood and um, honored. I feel like you really have to, um, I don't know, take the time to like explain what, um, how you receive love and how you enjoy giving it and how that is compatible with your partner. Um, in, for example, I really appreciate um, giving gifts, but I'm not great at receiving gifts, you know? So I'm happy to be giving gifts to my partner partners. Um, like frequently when I think of them is an expression of love, but I much prefer like acts of service per se um, as my like receiving lo love language. So it really is important to like understand how your own love languages um, differ from giving and receiving and how it is in and how your partners do as well and how that how you can like honor and respect those love languages so that um communication can be healthy um i feel like love languages like even though they're not always like verbal they can be a conversation you know um Absolutely. you yeah and <laughs> you communicating yeah yes definitely and it, giving and receiving those um like understanding how your partner gives and receives um, love is very important in figuring out like, I don't know how you, like maybe elaborating on how you can give and receive love and maybe learning to give and receive love in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And like kind of adapting and showing that you care that much more by doing things that maybe it's not your typical norm, but you know that that's how they receive. So that can be really important, especially if we're getting on the same page. And sometimes if you're feeling kind of a disconnect, exploring the love languages and you can take a quiz as a couple too, um, or, you know, in other types of relationships that can be super important as well. Um, like with, you know, parents or children that can be super, you know, informative. Yeah. I feel like it's actually really important to understand like, to move like love languages beyond like um, romantic or intimate relationships, um, physically intimate relationships. Um, it's really like, I first learned of love languages with my parent um, and we figured out how we can communicate better and um, show each other appreciation for each other. Um, like in, I don't know, um, in a deeper way, you know, um, I feel as though like, do even learning your like best friends love languages like your family's love languages is can be really important in deepening that relationship and making sure that everybody um feels appreciated and loved and respected yeah absolutely and we've even done it like in our office too of like knowing people's love languages and knowing when um you know writing someone a note on you know good job they did can really make so much more of an impact and really like strengthen the team I totally agree. All right, and now what I now I want to talk about um, communication because we we kind of touched on it, but I want to pose the question: How can people communicate their needs effectively to their partner? Yeah, well, I really feel like that starts with like comfort and trust. You know, you have to be able to um, be honest and transparent with your partner about your needs. Um, your wants and even like your dreams and your goals um, being able to communicate like where you are where you're at um, and where you want to go with your partner um, allows you to plan together you know um, I when I got in the, into the relationship I am in now um, I knew I was going to Portland I knew I was moving from California in the beginning and I did not expect anybody to follow me there um but I was very clear about that and as I grew deeper in my relationship it turned out like we were both heading in the same direction because we like and we knew that because we communicated with each other um and had that I don't know transparency be um and figured out like that our goals are aligning you know yeah absolutely and like things like moving or goals that you have and dreams that you have that are core to your being are likely not going to change, you know, on a whim or, or easily or for a person. So being able to communicate that is so important, especially early on. 
And I, I also want to highlight that transparency and communication can be challenge, more challenging for some people than others, especially if you, you know, if you feel like you have less power in the relationship, maybe you're financially dependent on someone. Um, if you have kind of an accommodating personality where you, you know, you like to please people and you don't want people to be disappointed in you or think of you differently, um, if your needs don't match up with their wants. Um, and then also people who have experienced trauma can definitely have a lot of fear around um, communicating, you know, their needs and making sure that they advocate for themselves in their relationship. So if, if that kind of speaks to you, and definitely there's more situations, um, knowing that communication is just that much more important. And even though it's hard, it's important to find the tools to be able to do that effectively. And some of the, some of the tips that um, a really great site that has that relationship spectrum that I'm going to be adding, and a lot of the other resources that I've been looking at um, is loveisrespect.org. And some tips they have for communication um, are like finding the right time and place. So if someone's already really stressed out, then maybe don't come to them with like, hey, I want to talk about our relationship. Um, and also, you know, in the context of quarantine, if someone is having a really rough time with quarantine or if they are needing space, that might not be the right time to bring something, um, you know, challenging up. And then also just being considerate of how you approach someone and, you know, approaching someone in a combative way or, you know, making them feel attacked is not really going to, you know, be as effective. Um, but also, if, if you feel the need to tiptoe around your partner because of, um, you know, fear around how they will react, that's something to, you know, take into consideration as well in terms of um, the healthiness of your relationship. And also just another tip is just prioritizing honesty above everything and um, the truth hopefully will come out eventually. So being able to talk about things and have it out on the forefront is just, you know, the most important thing. I and, completely. What did you say? <laughs> I was going to say I completely agree. And I also wanted to add like that, um, being transparent and um, communicating with your partner and being honest about how you're feeling, especially like in your body, um, in your um, like work or school life, or even like um, in the way that you express yourself. I feel like there's, it's really important um, and even powerful to be talking about like um, talking in your relationship about like how you want to express yourself, you know, who you want to be you know, like you have um, establishing like that, um, I don't know, that individuality and that sense of self in a relationship and communicating that with your partner allows you both to explore um, who you both are, you know, um, and be able to think deeper about um, how you want to um, move through the world. I've had the opportunity to um, like come out as trans with um, partners and be able to, um, explore what that means for both of us and in some cases it has allowed my partner to be like whoa me too you know <laughs> like um and then be able to um like even like shift our relationship and shift our um dynamic in the ways that we even view each other like around that i feel like um in many relationships but um in this case in like queer relationships like expressing how you're feeling as a person as um, a certain gender or um, sexuality um, is so important because you can grow like you will continuously grow and you can grow together absolutely yeah and I think um, that kind of moves me into my next point of um, setting boundaries mm. and being able to like know your own boundaries and then communicate them is is so vital especially like you know if, if, you know, for example, PDA is something that you have a boundary around, um, and then, you know, in the context of queer relationships, that can have another layer to it. So being able to, like, communicate those boundaries with, with your partner and with other relationships that you have, um, and then also, like, 
respecting other people's boundaries, it can be challenging. Um, but that's why that conversation is so important. And also being able to communicate if your boundaries change or if you know you feel like they're being disrespected and, and what can you do about that? Yeah, I feel like um, talking to your partner about love languages is a fantastic and even like, um, a fa- like a fantastic first step in setting boundaries, you know, because you're saying, oh, I do want to receive love in this way. I do enjoy giving love in this way, you know, and these are how I don't appreciate receiving love, you know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And just being able to be like, hey, I... I don't think you should be able to go through my phone or, Hey, I, um, you know, I trust you, but I don't like it when you do this or Mm -hmm. that sort of thing can be so important because if you don't advocate for yourself, like who is going to. I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. And then talking about quarantine, um, I know it's, it's kind of a, a challenging time and people are in so many different types of situations, but how can people in their um, romantic partnerships or relationships, how can they create intimacy during this quarantine time? I feel like it, it's all about creativity and flexibility right now. Like we have so many resources for like being intimate um, at a distance um, that we can that I think everybody should have the opportunity to explore. Like maybe um, like look and see what a Skype date looks like, you know, um, or a Zoom date. Um, Maybe look into um, those cool sex toys that operate long distances, you know? Yeah, Um, they have some that like um, they work together over long distances or you can like something will heat up or vibrate when the other partner is using it. Yeah, um, I think it's all about, like, like step outside of the box. Figure out, like, how, um, like, what works, like, in your specific um, relationship um, and how you can explore intimacy um, and sexuality um, in, an, in new ways. Um, it, I totally understand how difficult it is um, and might be for people that are um, quarantined away from their partners right now, or even if their partner has had to move because of um, extraneous circumstances. Um, I believe like it, it's all about flexibility, like continue to communicate, continue to work together and continue to um, think outside the box because like we have, we are in a very unique time with a unique opportunity to explore like what, digital sex looks like you know and what digital intimacy looks like yeah Um, absolutely and I think exploring safely is important and also like experimenting and trying different things um and also like we said setting boundaries and communicating if something is not comfortable for you like if you don't want to have phone sex don't have phone sex right (laughs) I completely agree um it's like setting those boundaries early on I think is so important for exploration you know um be like have a conversation about what you're comfortable with in the beginning and then move accordingly knowing that um those boundaries can always change yeah absolutely yeah and just being comfortable like your feelings from before are not invalid because they changed you know yeah yeah I agree and like if you're in quarantine with a partner it's really like important to communicate um, or even like organize like when you want to have that intimate time together and when you need your own space. Um, I live with my partner and my two best friends and we um, have a really good system of um, like, and it's almost like an everyday kind of system where we um, have specific times where we watch like TV or movies together, um, spend time together, talk about the day, Um, And we have specific times, usually in the mornings, um, when we are alone, like we're all in our separate rooms or separate spaces. um, And we have that opportunity to decompress to really, um, for me, it's all about like waking up, um, getting ready to start the day, getting ready to um, work usually. (laughs) Um, 
and I, I don't know, I think it's really important to um, be communicating like when you, um, whether it's with like your roommates, your friends, your family, um, or your partners, like it's so important to communicate like when you need that alone time and when you want that together time because um, both are so important and it's gonna, your needs are gonna change like depending on who you are. Absolutely, that is so important and I hope, hope that people can, can use that um, in their households. And also if you live alone like me, um, <laughs> making sure that you're prioritizing your, your healthy relationship with yourself too. And you can even explore your sexuality and, and experiment and try new things and be creative um, in the context of being with yourself. And that can, you know, be a safe way to really explore your sexuality and, and have fun with it. So hopefully you're spending time doing that too, if that's something you're interested in. Yeah, I, I really hope so. I think, um, Bella, you're really great at like exploring with colors and expression. And I think that we have this um, opportunity right now to be doing that and we can, I wanna take a, ba a page out of your book um, and start like, I don't know, maybe put makeup on one day, um, see what colors I like, you know, see um, how I wanna express myself because like, oh my gosh, like you, our bodies can be canvases, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely, yeah. And it, I think it's so like exciting to have a new opportunity every new day to mm -hmm have a new piece of art on yourself yeah yeah I think it's really freeing and very cool and I think it's a really fantastic way to um create deeper intimacy with yourself absolutely yeah take yourself on a date yeah <laughs> um yeah and then I want to talk about even further how can people cultivate healthy relationships when there's the physical distance as a barrier and first of all, I want to say um, this is based on an article um, about long distance relationships um, from the BBC. Um, but the, the most important thing I want to say is that communication is key and also that missing people is okay. <laughs> um, and it can actually be healthy to miss people. So don't, don't feel guilty. Um, you know, if you're having feelings of longing, if you're missing um, having physical touch, especially physical touch is one of your love languages, that's so important to recognize and knowing that like the lack of that um, is having, can have real effects during this time of social distancing. Um, so how can you balance communication, um, you know, when there's physical distance as a barrier? Well, I really feel like, um... It really, it really depends on who you are and it can really, um, it's really a process. Like continue to like talk, um, like check in with yourself, um, continue to check in with where you're at, what you need and check in with your loved ones. If you're, um, if distance is a barrier right now, um, and I think everybody's kind of missing someone on some level right now. Um, if distance is, is a barrier for you, um, find other ways to connect, you know, um, and find ways to connect with yourself. I feel like um, physical touch is definitely my love language. Um, and during times when I've been alone for extended periods of time, like being able to like appreciate myself with physical touch has been um, an extremely powerful tool. Uh, I think you can really step outside of the box um, in that sense, and really um, find ways to appreciate um, yourself and how, like, how are you loving yourself? How are you, um, I don't know, appreciating yourself um, or even creating more um, deeper intimacy with yourself and your loved ones in new ways? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think communicating like how often you want to talk can be tricky and yeah. again, can always change. Um, but I'll use an example of one of my close friends um, who lives across the country. We actually weren't really talking very often before. We still had like a really close, you know, love for each other, but we didn't talk that often. But now through quarantine, we've been 
really like each other's rock and and sticking through it and checking in every day and we both have issues of like um not reaching out because we don't know if people want to talk to us or not so we've been trying to work through that together um so you know communicating a lot more can be really vital but also respecting when someone's like hey i just need a second on my own or i need to like talk to other people especially when you're in like a romantic relationship there can be that pressure of like oh my gosh we have to talk every day at this time mm -hmm. um and sometimes that can just you know feel more like a burden so being able to communicate like when when that's too much or when it's not enough um when you're really needing more communication i, I know that can like be a really hard feeling when you feel like you you need more and you want to ask for that but um do what you need to do especially during this time um but also when you're apart there is like the silver lining of um being able to maintain your separate identities is so important in a relationship um feeling like you live your own life and they're also there and you also have that connection it's like um that that venn diagram example you know of um having your separate selves but also you know coming together and having your relationship be its own you know identity within itself so um being able to you know find couple time versus the rest of life um having that separation can sometimes be important um but i know that ambiguity is really hard and and this time is just full of uncertainty and ambiguity and having that in the context of your relationship can be really challenging. Um, so hopefully you're able to explore a variety of different coping mechanisms um, to really take care of yourself and take care of your relationship um, and make sure that you're prioritizing your well-being. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it's establishing some sort of organization can be extremely healthy, you know, um, especially when you're in a, a relationship um, or are living with other people, establishing, um, like you said, like when it is time to be around each other and when it is not time to be around each other um, is very important because like we really have this opportunity right now to like, reinvent ourselves to dig deeper into who we are um, while we're focusing um, while some of us have the opportunity to focus on things um, other than working as much as we usually would you know mm -hmm. and if your focus is more on like day-to-day -day survival <laughs> um, that's fine too like yeah. honestly like um, sometimes I'm, I'm seeing the like I talked to Amy about this a little bit later on, but um, I'm seeing they're like, oh, I wanna learn a new language. I'm gonna learn how to play the guitar, you know, during this time. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to make sure I feed myself. Like, um, if that's all you can do, that's all you can do. Like knowing your, your limitations with that and within your relationship and being like, hey, I wanna work on this right now, or hey, I'm not able to work on this right now. Right. I, I completely agree. It's really okay to be like, I need this, like, I just need this alone time, you know? I, I just need this opportunity to focus on what I need to do to survive, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's the section that we have on healthy relationships. And um, we'll be leaving some resources at the end of this episode. Um, for people to learn more about this and to get help and support if they need it. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank you. All right, so um, for this part of our Healthy Relationships episode, we're gonna talk a little bit about what unhealthy relationship patterns can look like and then talk about um, interpersonal violence prevention with Amy Collins. Would you like to introduce yourself, Amy? Sure. My name is Amy Collins. I use she, her, her pronouns, and I am the coordinator for the program on the campus called Illuminate, which is the interpersonal violence prevention program that's part of health promotion, um, but does its own sort of programming within that department. 
Awesome. Well, we are super grateful to have you here with us and excited to have this conversation. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So we're going to start off talking a little bit about um, unhealthy relationship patterns. And I want to kind of identify what are some of the traits of toxic relationships that are normalized in our culture? Well, I mean, and if you don't mind, Bella, I would love to just say that it's I, it's really challenging, I think, to label across the board what's a blanket statement of what's unhealthy, right? I, I think yeah. it's really easy to prioritize labels of health and dis-safety um, or unhealthy things through our own lens and sphere of understanding of relationships. And while saying that, I also think that there are ways for us to um, nuance unhealthy relationships as being somewhat normal sometimes, that we often want to say that either relationships are healthy or they're unhealthy, and that we want to make that really um, distinct. But there are times where really healthy, solid relationships slip into aspects of it being unhealthy or out of whack or uncomfortable um, and they have the ability to restore in those places and I think that's sort of the underpinning of what a healthy relationship is right of what is your foundation are you able to come back to that place when things are feeling unhealthy and that just that that lack of health in a relationship can happen for a lot of reasons right it can happen because of stress it can happen because you're in um, quarantine with somebody who yeah. you anticipate having to spend this much time. I mean, you can think about big life transitions too. I think about like my aunt and uncle. My uncle was a truck driver um, for his, most of his career. And then when he retired, it was like all of a sudden he and my aunt had to figure out how to always be around each other when she was used to him leaving for a week at a time and all of a sudden it's like oh man that's a huge life adjustment right so there's times where as i kind of give you the answer to your question around unhealthy um aspects of relationships i just want to hold that even healthy quote-unquote relationships can slip into this into aspects of this um and then hopefully we can talk about the restoration of getting back to healthy relationships and then also delineating that things can become abusive um, and that that's even different from unhealthy, right? Yes, abusive yes. is sort of its own categorical understanding of harm. And I just want, so I just want to, I want to make sure that we have sort of a shared operating understanding of what these words mean to me as I define them so that the audience can understand sort of my lens um, through which I try to do this work. So unhealthy relationships, to answer your question, um, I think really is predicated on the attempt and the desire to control a partner. Yes. And that can be, that can happen. Unhealthy stuff can happen because there's breaks in communication. There's a lot of pressure on the relationship or an aspect of the relationship. There can be dishonesty, um, just inconsiderate behavior, right? Like really having ego drive your own individual behavior that doesn't allow you to see how you're impacting your partner and their experience of shared living or relationship experiences. Um, and so a lot of those things can happen. And like I said, in a lot of different ways, the pressure could be about sex or sexual behavior that one partner wants to explore and somebody else doesn't want. And then this continued pressure, it could be around ways to spend money and pressure to like put money towards one thing that somebody else isn't prioritizing on the same level, but feels an immense amount of pressure to go along with. Um, so that those Breaks in communication, pressure, dishonesty, inconsiderate behavior, a lot of those sort of pivot around an attempt to control. Yeah. Right? And I think also like when there's loss of control in someone's life in another part of someone's life, they might try to really regain that control in their relationship. And that's kind of where I think quarantine can like come into play of like 
losing control over your job or your situation might want make you, you know, want to have some sort of power in another way in your um, your dynamic that you already have existing. Absolutely, absolutely. I it I think that the world experiencing a pandemic and not having a frame of reference for for how quickly and how extensively we were going to be put to shelter in place mm -hmm. is a massive trigger of fear and lack of control and a desire to gain that in other places is a really understandable um experience and yet not an excuse for yeah. you know um, unhealthy behavior in relationships especially if we don't have humility to be able to say like I'm struggling today or I need space today right and that's that piece where it comes back to like wanting to define what are healthy relationships because if you understand what cobbles together a healthy relationship it's easier to acknowledge when you're kind of out of whack um, but you're right, this has put a lot of relationships into a pressure cooker and it just accelerates um, things in relationships that may have taken time to have come out, but it, yeah, it acts as an accelerant. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that kind of moves into another question that I have, which is how does stress and trauma heighten or create unhealthy behaviors and relationships. And you kind of mentioned also that maybe it's not creating it, but it's pulling out something that might've already been there. Exactly. And, or it's just bringing up something completely new that we don't have a language or ability to articulate even, you know, I know for me in my own life and my own personal relationships with friends and kids is there's times where we feel it in our body. We feel the stress, mm -hmm. we feel the discomfort, we feel the uncertainty and we can't articulate it. We just know that all of a sudden, maybe it's coming out that we're short tempered or we're grumpy or on edge or feeling despondent, right? Like I, I, struggling. I've had days where I'm like, I just don't care. I don't wanna do work. I don't want to parent. I don't want to clean my house. I don't want to do anything. And yet there's a level of like, I had to engage on some level to get a few things done, but that despondency, right. Can come out in a lot of different ways. And if we don't have the language to be able to say like, I'm really lucky that I feel like I have a really healthy relationship with my older kids, especially who are 16 and 14 to be able to say, I am, st I'm struggling today, right? Like mm -hmm. I am not going to communicate well. I don't have a lot of patience to pull on. So, and they respond, they hear that and they step up and they kind of read and we give a little wider birth to each other. And there's a little level of forgiveness that takes place. So there's, a, I don't have a capacity to answer that question right now. And you can hear it in my voice, right? The edge. And they've had those days. So the grace to go back and forth is, I think, really important. And, and again, I actually appreciate that question. And um, I might be expanding and, and answering in a way that is bigger than what you're asking. But I do want to say that I went into this conversation sort of myopically focused on relationship, meaning like significant other, sweetheart, lover, whatever it may be, but we are in relationship in so many different ways. So Absolutely. my most significant relationships in my life as a single mom are with my kids. And yet we have a really healthy relationship, but it can get out of whack and it can get unhealthy. And so defining relationship is probably something we should have done at the beginning too, right? Which is like some sort of interpersonal connection with people um, in our lives. So friends, family, loved ones, significant others, dating partners, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this really gives us the chance to dive deep into those relationships during, like, during quarantine um, and really get into the nitty gritty sometimes of like things that you maybe have been wanting to work out for a while, um, things you have been wanting to unpack. And then also recognizing, like you said, when it's like, today, I can't, like, I, I just need to have my own space or I need to take 
this, I need to do that. Um, and just, I think communication is really the biggest key um, part of this, of understanding how these things are affecting you and understanding how that can then affect others. And, and also, and I agree, but I, I also think that it's important for us to recognize that I think it's a product of capitalism in a lot of ways to make us feel like we have to produce more, do more, use this yeah, time effectively. Absolutely. When, no, we don't. We don't have to do anything in this time. I want people to survive. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean we always thrive. That doesn't mean I have a sourdough starter going all of a sudden, right? <laughs> and I'm baking and I'm doing all of these things. It's great if you can, if you have the privilege to be able to explore um, interests in a way that you never had before, that you have the safety to slow down and the ability to have income when not being able to leave. But there's a lot of people that have to leave. And I think that the acknowledgement that this, this accelerant that has happened in this culture we have to look at the structure around relationship success and health and relationships getting unhealthy. Like if somebody, if one partner is leaving and they are doing service industry work or they are um, doing, um, you know, medical health care and they're coming back home, like there's, those are hosts of other pressures that some people aren't experiencing sometimes this isn't the time to work on your relationship. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it is just a time to white knuckle through what you know that if you open up a conversation around, you know, I've been meaning to talk to you about the equitability of who's doing the dishes regularly, <laughs> that yeah. that might not go well, but this is not the time to, you know, dig into the pieces that haven't been going well. Like I just, I just want to acknowledge that like I keep hearing and I'm not saying that's what you were saying, but I keep reading, hearing, and seeing things around like what we all should be doing during this time to like harness our inner creative. And it's like, there's just so much privilege that comes in that conversation. And I also think that there's a lot of privilege when we talk about relationships um, around the home feeling safe the home's not safe for a lot of people yeah it wasn't before this and it certainly isn't now and now people are sitting in isolation or um you know feeling stuck and that's an awful feeling in and of itself um that no matter how much you want good communication that might not that was maybe never present and it's not something that you can like fabricate <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's time. It's really just about recognizing like capabilities in this time and having forgiveness for yourself and for other people if like that's not what you're able to focus on and if surviving is all you can put your energy towards then that's what you, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah, and I mean I think it's a good time to maybe define like some aspects of healthy relationships and this is not my my own genius, right? This comes from love is respect. And it also comes from just people who have been doing work around relationships and defining um, the aspects that we think, you know, are key attributes to healthy relationships. But a lot of those are based on equity and respect, right? If unhealthy relationships are looking at control imbalances or control desires to have over somebody else, we know that like, equity or equality and respect in relationships. So we have respect, good communication, trust, honesty, um, the desire to openly allow into, like a person to be themselves, respecting um, the time you spend together, but the time that you spend apart, respecting that people have their own, their, their, they have the right to privacy, even within a relationship, right? Yeah. And autonomy and opinions and the ability to express those when they are divergent, I think is really important as long as it's not, I mean, and so that's healthy, right? I always want to, it's so easy to slip into like, as long as it's not this and this and this, um, 
and I, I get tired of always having to define healthy relationships through what they aren't versus what they are. So mm -hmm. respect, good communication, trust, honesty, equality, and then all the negotiation around what that looks like within a relationship. Because how I define good communication and what my needs are around that might be wildly different than my dating partner's idea of good communication or my kids, right? Maybe sitting down and having a face-to-face -face doesn't allow them to communicate most effectively because it's not their processing style. It feels like the power differential of me being their mom versus them being my kid doesn't allow for us to sit down and like have that conversation face-to-face. -face. So what, what might they need in order to be able to feel heard and valued um, and listened to? So, you know, how we define those or how we negotiate those needs, I think is, is there's a lot of room, but I think those are sort of key aspects of healthy relationships that most people probably would want to experience and to extend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think with that, um, in terms of communication styles, knowing that your communication style will change depending on you know, the partner and the, the type of relationship and it will change over time and might change in different contexts too and with different situations. So recognizing that and then communicating that, you know, talking face to face might be most helpful or it might not. And I need to like write you a letter or figuring out like kind of what's going to be most helpful and most productive for, for working on whatever you need to work on. Um, I think that like that, that ability to change is like a really important piece too, that I appreciate, you know, my frame of reference, the longest relationship I've ever seen in my life is my parents who are high school sweethearts and they still like make out and talk <laughs> about not wanting to be away from each other for too many weekends in a row because they'll just miss each other and they're quarantining very well together and but one of the things I've asked them many times over their their and and not overly romanticizing the hard times they've had hard times they've been out of whack before they've had unhealthy aspects of their relationship um but they also teach communication lectures as now um and I asked them over and over the tenure of getting to watch them be in relationship and still like what how did you guys make it starting to date at 18 17 and got married at 19 and what's your secret and they've said over and over it's the ability to allow your partner to change without the fear of being left behind mm. right so how do we allow for the growth and the development and the imperfections that we all hold within our human um, selves and how do we allow for that growth and expansion and change and forgiveness and, and messiness that we all sort of want for people to see in ourselves? So it's like, how do we do that for ourselves? How do we extend that grace to our partner? Um, and I think it's easier to demand it that they see it in us to see our imperfections and to allow us to change and grow. And it's hard to extend in return. Um, but my dad always said, you know, if I tried to hold back your mom's growth and development over the tenure of her life and still now as she transforms and changes, I know what's going to happen. I will be strangle holding a relationship that will then eventually um, lose air and not be able to, you know, maintain because she'll, there'll be resentment and anger and frustration. And yet there's times where she and he have both made sweeping life changes. And it's probably incredibly scary that like, what happens if we're not compatible anymore? Yeah. You find a whole group of friends and people and I'm not a part of that. And so that fear can be debilitating. And yet that's always resonated with me as far as like things that I look for and try to hold in my heart with people I love the most. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. You just blew my mind. That was great. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, I want to move in the other direction and talk about um, IPV prevention. Yeah. Um, and I hope you can talk about this with the lens of like what you do with Illuminate, but what are some of the ways that like we as a collective society and community and community at PSU, but also like much beyond that can prevent 
um, dating and relationship violence and sexual assault. Totally. And I would not say, unfortunately, I would tell you that some of the best prevention is health promotion, right? Which is why Illuminate is part of the health promotion program at PSU is because it is about talking about what healthy relationships can feel like, can embody. And I think that's so important. It's so easy to be like, it's not this, it's not that. But then it leaves us this void of understanding we we connect through stories right mm -hmm. so one of the things that i like to talk about around consent is talking about consent stories as we talk to young people and then all the way up through adulthood really of using stories to illustrate good consent because if we don't talk about what it is then we are left with this entrenched gap of not knowing and then we're asked to maneuver personally in and out of scenarios that we don't have any good frame of reference for how to maneuver. So if we don't talk about um, how we articulate our own needs, wants, and desires and interests with a partner, and then value where they're coming from when they have divergent needs, wants, interests, and desires, mm -hmm. and we don't talk about how to n navigate those conversations, then we're left to want to just try things with, we're left to not know the language of asking and, and verbally getting consent um, or checking in in the moment. Um, and that I think is a huge part of, of prevention is let's talk about what things are, how we practice them. And so we can prevent people from operating out of assumptions, misinformation, and mm -hmm. just entrenched gaps of, of lack of knowledge because we are culturally somewhat afraid to have conversations about sex and relationships and all of that. So that's part of what Illuminate does is we have consent conversations and we really try to focus on like what, what, what is consent? How do you navigate it? How do you, how do you, accept no and not feel personally rejected, but to, mm -hmm. you know, really honor that somebody else has a different divergent need than our own in that moment. And they are feeling able to tell us, how do we pick up on subtle shifts in body language and messaging that comes non-verbally because it's hard to speak uh, our verbal truth when we're talking about sex and needs and relationships. So we do a lot of that health promotion stuff. That is prevention is what are healthy relationships. We have healthy relationship workshops, but another piece of prevention is cultural shift and, and change so that we can move away from this idea that it's just on the individual um, to say no or to say what they need and that if they don't, right? Like that's not contextualized in a bigger understanding of how our culture is um, structured. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a big part of what we do, I don't think I know that a big part of what we do at Illuminate is to talk about those structural underpinnings and try to really have bigger conversations uh, away from just individual behavior, but really talking about how um, there has to be an ability to call our loved ones and, and people in for greater conversation that shifts our cultural values and norms. Um, so we do that through bystander workshops, like I said, consent workshops, healthy relationship, but we also have ones that are on culture and socialization. We have Time's Up for Cancel Culture, and we're really talking about how do we use people's bad behavior, harmful behavior, hurtful behavior as an opportunity to have a bigger cultural conversation around why that was problematic versus the shame and blame mm -hmm. of looking at that individual and wanting to ostracize and make them go away, um, which doesn't allow for transformation. So there's a lot of things that Illuminate does that are on that perspective of prevention 
but complicate the notion that it's just individuals who enact harm. We really try to uh, couch individual behavior within social structures um, in order to pull away from shame and blame and allow for us to like um, hold the structure accountable for things that enact harm inequitably against some groups of people at higher rates than others. Absolutely. And and you mentioned that you do active bystander work. Um, so how can how can we practice that during social distancing? How can we call people in? Um, hmm. see. I mean, the example that we've been giving in our bystander workshops is if somebody were, and this is just one example, right? And then I can I can do another one on personal relationships a little bit too. But like the one example we've been calling, we've been giving in our bystander workshops is let's say you're on social media, whatever your platform is. Um, and somebody says something about it being the Wuhan flu. Like, how do you put into the public sphere where that's sitting? Like, whoa, that is a that is a really like harmful, ostracizing, inaccurate description of the flu, or that's a really harmful thing that you just said. Hey, I'm gonna DM you really quick though, because I want to have this conversation and learn more about where that's coming from and like have a, a bigger conversation. So how do we allow for our opinion and our desire to like hold accountability and so that other people reading that thread don't think that that's a shared view amongst everyone? But how do we not just like cancel them? Like, oh, I unfriended them because they said this hurtful thing. Well then saying like, hey, I can, I have the capacity to have this engagement in a more meaningful way in a private, more private sphere so that we don't have somebody pivot into shame, embarrassment, and then want to be into self-protection mode, right? I just got to do a really cool, um, or just listen in on a really cool webinar yesterday called COVID-19 and Racial Embodiment by um, Rezima Minakem. I'm not sure how to say his name. I, don't, I think I only heard them say it once really quick. Minakem and Robin D'Angelo. And they were a beautiful duo around um, the complexities of racial embodiment in this time of COVID, but what they pointed, they said something that I've heard, but I've heard it differently and it resonated really deeply with me was that when, um, when your body is triggered, right, through being labeled as racist or sexist or harmful in any way, that we often get triggered in our body, right? We feel like tight and defensive and angry and you can feel that happening mm -hmm. and that when the body is triggered the intellect stops so how do we have accountability in a public space so we know we can say like hey anybody reading this i have a problem with what this what is being said but i'm not going to shame blame and have them get so triggered in their body that they double into defensiveness and self-protection i'm going to take this into a private space so we can have a more engaged back and forth and I think people can do that in relationships. Like, I think it's really important for us not to just be reaching out to folks that we know might be experiencing the harm of an unhealthy relationship, but to have some accountability around the friends that we, we know or we um, might anticipate might be enacting that harm. So maybe you saw a newer relationship between some friends of yours and one person was constantly texting, getting mad when the texting wasn't responded to quickly enough or yeah. constantly checking up on their whereabouts or who they were talking to or asking them to unfriend, you know, other people that maybe made that one person feel threatened. How do you check in with them and be like, hey, it felt like that relationship was kind of stressed or I saw some things that were like, I was a little uncomfortable witnessing um, prior to COVID, like, how is this, how is this relationship during COVID going? And, mm -hmm. you know, I think acknowledging the things we find concerning in our friends' behaviors, labeling those and doing it in, with care, because we care about them not enacting harm, is a way that we can do this um, in a time where people, you know, in, in this massive time of uncertainty and, and ease to like 
want to self-protect because like we said at the beginning, right, when we feel out of control in big parts of our life, it's easy to want to grab, grab that control in the, in the smaller places where we have it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, this has all been um, a lot to a lot to think about. And um, thank you so much for your words and for everything that you've shared with us. Um, thank you for joining us. That's it. Unless you have anything else to to leave with us, any parting words? I don't. I do not. I appreciate the time and just the conversation and. Um... I would, I hope and I assume that you all will be um, making some connections for students or anyone who might be listening to this to some community resources, the places that are open offering services on campus. So the Women's Resource Center who serves um, folks of all genders is still offering advocacy and support and can be found on their website. Shack is fully open for um, telehealth. So I know that the counseling services are available. So if anybody is just sort of like having any pieces of this resonate um, on any level to recognize that PSU still has many support services available. They just look different than they used to be, um, but they're still there. And it is a great time for people to access those services if they're needing them um, for any reason. And so I think that's probably the biggest piece I would end with. Absolutely. And we'll be getting more into the details um, of those resources later on. But thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Thank you, Bella. Have a good afternoon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. So now we're going to talk a little bit about some resources that you can use if you want to learn more about healthy relationships, if you are feeling like you're in an unhealthy or potentially abusive situation. Um, if you need support or assistance in any way, um, hopefully uh, some of these resources can be of use to you. So Josh, I'm gonna pass it off to you. What are some of the resources that people can use if they are, are experiencing um, abuse or, or need assistance? Yeah, well, um, I'd love to like initially like give a big shout out to the Women's Resource Center at Portland State. They give us a lot of these resources. Um, and a lot of these resources even have an immediate escape button in case you feel unsafe and need to exit at any time. So the first um, resource I wanted to address was Call to Safety, which you can access um, them on their website through calltosafety.org. And they are a Portland-based sexual and interpersonal violence advocacy organization that provides a 24-7 crisis line, um, sexual assault resources, follow-up advocacy, as well as community, community advocacy and, and education. On their website, calledsafety.org, they describe themselves as not just a social service agency. They were founded as a social change organization, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you can reach their hotline um, at 1-888-235-5333. Um, I also next wanted to address the WRC itself. Um, Portland State's Women's Resource Center provides people of all genders support around interpersonal violence through their PSU Sexual and Relationship Violence Response Program. Through the WRC, you can speak to a confidential advocate about your experiences and be connected with resources to support you through hardships around sexual violence, interpersonal violence, and relationship health. Um, they have an advocacy packet on their website um, that is very, very powerful and useful and has, is chock full of resources. Um, and they can be um, contacted through their website, pdx.edu slash WRC or on the phone at 503-894-7982. Um, I also wanted to highlight the Supporting Survivors organization. Uh, through nomore.org, you can access information and resources around surviving assault and abuse. Um, there's information um, around su <laughs> supporting survivors um, where they recommend listening without judgment, letting survivors know you believe them, asking what you can do to help, 
supporting the survivor's decisions and taking care of yourself while supporting survivors. Um, our, um, the last uh, resource I'm going to highlight is the Oregon Coalition Against Domestic and Sexual Violence, or OCADSV. Um, their mission statement describes how they exist to promote equity and social change in order to end violence for all communities. They seek to transform society by engaging diverse voices, supporting the self-determination of survivors, and providing leadership for advocacy efforts. And they're currently focusing on community-based advocacy, legal assistance programs, and shelters that are still offering services during this time. Um, although these services may look different. Um, so of course, visit their website at ocadsv.org slash find help um, or call them at 503-230-1951. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. And we will be leaving all of these links and phone numbers in the description of this episode, of course. Um, and I also wanted to highlight, again, uh, loveisrespect.org, which is where um, we got a lot of the resources that we talked about in terms of, um, you know, what healthy, unhealthy, and potentially abusive relationships can look like. Um, so if you, if you want to um, explore their site, it's really great. It's really informative. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in there. And a lot of stuff for different populations too. Like I thought it was really helpful that they they had a whole section on um, LGBTQ plus relationships and what, they, what um, that can look like specifically with unhealthy relationships and how it could be unique. Um, so there's a lot of different stuff in there um, if you want to look into it. They also have a chat line that you can use um, and you can also text love is to 2252 um, or call them at 1-800-799-7233. And again, we'll be leaving all those links in the description. And lastly, I want to say that Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, some of the services that these resources offer might have changed slightly, um, but hopefully everything that we've given you is as up-to-date as possible. Um, and remember that if you're ever in need of immediate assistance or you're in an emergency situation, please call 911. Your safety and well-being is always the top priority. So we hope you find this helpful um, Josh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care of yourselves today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of What's Up. We'll catch you next week on our next episode, which moving forward will be posted every Wednesday. For spring term, we've moved our huts to Instagram Live. You can find us at PSU underscore what. And you can find us there once a week for our virtual huts. OPSU has gone fully remote until the end of summer term 2020. We wanted to let you know that Shack is still here for you. We're fully committed to the physical and emotional health as well as wellness of our PSU students. Both our health services and counseling services departments can be used by scheduling a telehealth appointment by calling the phone number 503-725-2800. If you're looking for more casual information, check out our online health magazine at pdx.campuswell.com and our brand new virtual mind spa experience. There'll be website links for all that good stuff in the episode description below. If you have any questions around health or well-being information during this time, we also have a Google form that you can complete for us to be able to answer your questions on our Instagram or webpage. Links for that in the description as well. Thanks for listening and take care. <laughs>